Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Austin Healy, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. Clement fullback Nick Abendanon was in the studio for another action-packed show featuring a review of the latest round of the Aviva Premiership and a look ahead to the Champions Cup semi-finals. Welcome, Nick Abendanon. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Good. Week off? Uh, week off. Just first question, I was just wondering where Bafes was. <laughs> did, you, did Austin tell you to say that? No, no. Just, no, no. Uh, yeah, well, Bafes having a week me. off. I'm in charge with these three reprimands, so everyone's a little, slightly unnerved, I think. But it'll all be fine, it'll all be fine. Um, so, good win on the weekend against Ajan. Your first game back for a while, how was it? Yeah, I had an uh, operation three months ago on my groin and um, first game back on the weekend, so... Uh, first game back is always a little bit tough, felt a little bit off the pace, but um, as the weeks go by, that will come back, uh, I hope. Um, and we won pretty convincingly in the end, so we're in a good spot. Good. It's your second year in France now. We don't see you much anymore, of course, but you're really enjoying yourself out there because you were on European Player of the Year last year as well, which is a huge achievement. <laughs> Consecutive Englishman to have won it. So Johnny Wilkinson, wasn't it? And then Delon or Stefan? Stefan, and then you. There you go. That's pretty big, isn't it? That English players go over there and tear it up. Well, it's pretty impressive winning that. And it was a real, it was a vintage year last year with loads mm. of guys putting their sort of hat in the ring. And it's just a shame it wasn't around when, when we were playing because uh, obviously <laughs> you know, I'd have won it two John or three years. Yeah, John would have won it two yeah. or three on the chart, wouldn't he? So uh, no, it's a great achievement. Well done. Made up for you. <laughs> but we've seen, we've seen some headlines here actually when you moved out. Counterattacking Abendanen has found his spiritual home in Claremont. That's one of my favourites. Um, Nick Abendanen, an eager Englishman abroad. I, I think the French press. They can't actually believe that, that you've only had two England caps. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this, because I know you've been quite vocal of late. Mm -hmm. Have you had to resign yourself to the fact that that ship has sailed now, or are you still holding on to, to international No, that, that ship's were well and truly sailed. Um, you know, obviously before the World Cup, uh, with the whole exceptional circumstances rule, I thought there, there might be a chance with the, with the form that I was in. But, um, you know, Stu obviously um, decided to keep with the rule. Um, and I think, well, I sort of knew that if I wasn't going to come back for the World Cup, um, then that would have been that would have been it. Um, and so now it's just uh, pretty much concentrating. I've uh, signed another contract with Claremont for another three years, and so uh, my life's well and truly set in uh, in the French Avern. Is it good though to, to hear players come out and, and, and talk about the fact that they're upset about it? Because I think a lot of the overseas players have been quite quiet, haven't they, about the? Yeah, there's, there's a really interesting conversation around it, isn't there? Because what happens is that people like us talk about 
the rules, should it exist, shouldn't it exist? And then people say, well, Stefan knew what he was doing when he went over there and Nick knew what they were doing. It's like, yeah, but these guys aren't the ones arguing it, it's us. Then Nick came out and argued it, <laughs> um, as if he didn't know till he signed his contract. But um, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a much, it's a wider conversation. What I do love is I personally don't agree with the rule, but I absolutely understand the reasons why lots of people do, probably most people do, actually. But what I love is these English guys, you know, going over to a league which is renowned for being sort of a Galactico league, big money, very, very physical... Um, full of flair, even though I think that's a myth. Um, <laughs> it's more sort of turgid than it is full of flair, but absolutely tearing it up. I love it. It'll be interesting as well because you know, the, the French Union are very much trying to reverse the trend of foreign players going over there at the moment. They're trying to put all sorts of legislation in into the teams in terms of only having four uh, non-French qualified players in there to extending the squad so you can at least get more French players in. So it'll be very interesting over the next couple of years how it pans out, whether teams will be taking as many of our best players over there um, to play in France. So let's look back at some of this weekend's rugby then, shall we? On Saturday, we saw the Big East Midlands derby, a match that always manages to get the juices flowing. As ever, bragging rights were up for grabs at Franklin's Gardens, but it was about more than that this weekend. Leicester Tigers putting one foot in the semi-final, and it appears the Saints won't be part of the playoffs for the first time in six seasons. But it was a, a typical... Midlands derby, wasn't it really, Ben? I mean, it, there wasn't maybe as much drama as we were used to seeing, but it was still quite feisty well, it and it was tense till the end. Absolutely, edge of the seat stuff all the way through. And, and um, yeah, I, th I think, you know, if you're a Saints fan, you're probably upset with a few of the decisions. Certainly the coaches afterwards seemed, seemed a little bit upset, but it had, you know, all sorts going on in there. And, and um, you know, huge credit to Saints with the amount of injuries they've had over the last couple of weeks. They finally hit a bit of form and... Speaking to the guys earlier in the week, they were saying, you know, actually, the damage to our season was done earlier on, but they really have come into some form under hugely difficult circumstances, having lost a lot of their frontline players. And, and um, I thought Har Harry Mallander in particular was superb. Tigers, mm. again, they sort of gave their fans a, a little bit of um, heart failure by looking like they were comfortable for a stage and then um, you know, pressing the self-destruct button a couple of times. So um, they will certainly feel that going into this weekend in Europe and further on, if they, if they do uh, finish in fourth, that they're going to have to sort a few of those issues out to make sure they don't let teams back in. OK, let's have a look at, very quickly at the top of that table, then, if we can, as it stands at the moment. Um, as you can see, Saracens, they've already confirmed a, a, a playoff spot, of course, as has Wasps. Exeter still got a little bit of work to do, I guess. They could have confirmed a playoff spot had they beaten Gloucester at the weekend um, and uh, Leicester there at the moment. And you'd think it would be pretty difficult now for Northampton to catch them up. Although Sale, with a game in hand, mathematically, they could as well, I guess. Um, Flats, let's talk about Harry Thacker, because he's yeah. had so many man-of-the-match performances of yeah. late, and hookers should not be scoring tries like that, right? Absolutely not. I think we need to change his position, and quickly. <laughs> um, Would Eddie Jones be looking at him? I think, why not? Seniors? Why not? I think if he's, if he's looking at Luke Cowan-Dickey as a promising young kid, dynamic player, great ball carrier, and looking to sort of see those basics, basically scrummaging and throwing mature over time, mm. then if he's looking at Cowan Dickey, he's got to be looking at Thacker already. He's only played a handful of games, but so had, so had Youngs by the time he played for England in the Lions. You know, he hadn't played a huge amount of first-team rugby. This is a standout player, Leicester Howe. And with McGuigan coming next season, Leicester now have three standout hookers. OK, well, Osborne's already mentioned, like, Saints, you know, they had some great play performances out there at the weekend. Malinder, um, Harrison was good, wasn't he? Tom Wood. Um, and, and Burrell was good and bad, I guess, in equal measures, if we, yeah, if we look at... All, all derbies have heroes and villains, and sometimes it's the same player, and I think that uh, he'll look back on this, and he, he's made a few errors um, during the season, but he always picks really good lines. He carries exceptionally well. 
is when he gets caught in two minds that he causes himself and his team problems. And often in the outside channel, he's done a really good line. All he's got to do there is hold on. In his defence, Gonover comes from a long way back and he's out of eye shot. But we've seen a few interceptions before from Burrell and he just needs to tidy that up in his game. And then he's got the opportunity of getting back into that England squad because there's few better ball carriers in the game. OK, um, let's have a look at the remaining fixtures then, if we can, of both um, Saints and the Tigers. Let's go Saints first. So they're, they're facing Bath at home and then got to go to, to King's home then to face Gloucester. And then the Tigers, they have uh, Worcester at home and Bath away. Um, Northampton, in terms of their season as a whole, Nick, how do you think that they will be viewing it? Because it was one full of promise, wasn't it? It hasn't quite delivered. Yeah, you know, Northampton obviously, um, you know, been, in, as you said, in the playoffs for the last uh, six seasons, so they've got very high expectations. Their supporters will be pretty disappointed that they haven't made it this year. Um, but as uh, Ben has said, with their, with their injury list at the moment, they've got some really big, big players that are, that are out, real big game-changing players, like George North, for example. And uh, with players like that on the sideline, it makes, makes life a whole lot uh, more difficult. And they've got great youngsters coming through as well, haven't they? they they've, the they've produced them for years. You know, we talk about Courtney Laws now as you know, that seasoned international and, and what a great player he's been for them. He started there and they, they see that their youth programme of bringing people through is exceptional. I'm here with uh, uh, Northampton and Scotland legend Budge Poutney. Good to see you. Been a while. Yeah, you been a while, yeah. Obviously had 12 years, 11 years as a player for, for Northampton and a couple of years as a coach, but you're not still doing that. What are you up to at the moment? Uh, well, I'm now working at Marlborough College, head of rugby at Marlborough College, so I get to coach this motley crew. Any on, good? Uh, well, yeah, they're all right. They'll be, they'll be OK. Yeah, they're doing all right. And, uh, you know, one of the big things about you, you can obviously hear his um, huge Scottish accent. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, how did you qualify to play for Scotland? Uh, my grandmother enabled me to qualify for Scotland, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> so, oh, no, I was just asking, just asking, but you were actually an integral part of that Scottish team through sort of uh, just before the 2000s, through to 2003-ish. Yep. Um, but then you made the decision to, to walk away from the squad. Talk us through what, what went on there. Yeah, chucked my toys out slightly, out of the pram. Uh, it, it was just a combination of things, really. Uh, it got to the point where I was playing rugby with a lot of the boys at Northampton who were playing for England at the same time as you. And they would come back with, you know, quite a lot of things that they were doing within the England camp. And we were struggling to, to try and achieve that. And it, it got to a point where I felt that somebody had to have a, a, have a say. And that's exactly what I did. Was the, was the one big moment or was it, was it a build-up of things? It was a, a build-up of things, definitely. And, it, you know, when you look back on it, all right, it was a, it was a tough decision to make. But um, it wasn't the wrong decision. I uh, always felt that if you make a decision at the right time, then, then you go with it, and, uh, and that's what I had to do. And obviously, Vern Cotter's at the helm now. Do you, how do you think, is it better than when you guys were involved? Oh, undoubtedly. I think when you look at all the international teams, you know, their professionalism and, and what they do now and the training that the boys get, you know, it's phenomenal. So I think you can see that with the way that Scotland are playing and, and the, how they want to play and the, the physical nature of what they want to do, and, and they're definitely, you know, very well prepared. And we've just been talking about Northampton. looks like they're not going to quite make it this time around, but um, where do you think they are at the moment? They've obviously had a good few years. Are they in a bit of a rebuilding phase or is it just a bit of a blip and they'll kick on? And you know what? It's hard to say because, you know, without you being in, within the squad and understanding what's happening within the squad, it's hard to say, but... When you look at it, there's a lot of young guys that are coming through this year, which is great. Um, adds a bit of energy, but it takes away a little bit of experience as well. I don't think there's anything major going wrong, but I think there's little bits that maybe 
as a combination, are, are forcing them to not perhaps put the performances in that they want. And as someone who's very quickly coached the senior level of the game, the elite level of the game, now, you, now you're coaching at school, are there massive differences there? Yeah, there are. You, you get, you know, the experience that these guys have aren't the same experience that you have at, at an international professional level. So um, it's very much trying to uh, give as much experience across to the boys and, and say, look, this is how we can try this. Let's, let's play a, a high-risk game. You know, it's probably your last chance as, as people to, or as players to play a high-risk game. So it's trying to get these guys to take risks and enjoy it and enjoy what the game's all about. Well, I'm sure uh, all you lot are going to want to suck up to your teacher and give him a big round of applause. <laughs> That's a very uh, open and Thank you for that, Fudge. And uh, Sarah, where are you? I'm here. OK, so this weekend was huge, not only for top-of-the-table teams, but those also battling it out down the bottom, facing the very real prospect of relegation. And on Sunday, we headed to Kingston Park for a face-off between 11th and 12th place, Newcastle Falcons and Rundon Irish. With only four points separate them, it was a do-or-die kind of game, really, wasn't it? And Newcastle cling on to leave London Irish hurtling towards relegation. And as you can see, although mathematically it's not all done and dusted, there you go, it's not mathematically um, all over for London Irish, but it would take, you sense, a series of miracles now for them to, to remain in the Premiership for next season. Um, and this is what Tom Coventry had to say post-match. Oh, very despondent, uh, down, um, dejected. Yeah. We, we'll be defined by how, how, how well we get back up on our feet and just show some character about to how we take our losses and, and how we rebuild again. So that's a sign of a, of a good athlete and, it, and also the sign of a good club with good supporters. And, you know, the supporters that were here today, they were making plenty of noise and they were still proud of us, regardless of the points that we, we didn't come up with today. So I, I, I've got nothing but uh, praise for them. They've been with us right through the thick and the thin this year and uh, they'll be there for us, I'm pretty sure. It looks deflated as you'd expect it to, but you just kind of could see the, the, the lack of confidence and almost like the lack of self-belief in that 80 minutes from Irish, Ben? In the 80 minutes, yeah. I, th I think it's a tough watch, isn't it, seeing all those players mm. at the end because that's livelihoods and, yeah. you know, not just that, but breaking up... Undoubtedly, people, people will leave. Not everyone will leave, but some will, and you're breaking up a team, you're losing your mates. But, um, yeah, I just felt that early on, Newcastle had the go-forward and the momentum of a team with more confidence. So we looked at the stats at one point, and for every carry, Newcastle were making twice the distance in the contact, that, that leg drive through, the likes of Nili Latu going through, uh, Sassino as well. And, and Irish were poor in that first half at that aspect. Second half, they turned it around, they really got the momentum, but it was just that final pass and a couple of errors here and there. And that is the sign of a, a team that's hesitating, almost freezing in the headlights. We've got an opportunity and uh, not quite taking it. Yeah, they had 68% territory, I think, in that, that second half. They didn't. So they just couldn't do anything, finish it off. We, we've seen it all season, so it wasn't just this weekend. And that was a horror moment for Greg Tonks. He will, he will feel personally responsible for the, losing the game and all that that sent them down. But, of course, it wasn't all his fault. Um, it, was just, it was just the wrong option at the wrong time. And have a look at Tika Rituma down the winger here, down the wing. He's got Delaney coming across, Newcastle fly half. He played well, Nico's mate from Claremont, but he's not the biggest hitter in the world. So you've got a big, powerful Fijian winger you know, closing in. He obviously, sees, he obviously sees the arm inside and thinks, I've got to give it that way. But that is a guy with no confidence whatsoever. He should have backed himself and gone. It was a bizarre decision. David Pace here. So Sino's English, English accent might be good, but it's not that good. It's just when the opportunities come, Composure isn't there because they're almost not expecting those opportunities to come. It feels like a shock when they come that close to creating something special. So I think we've seen it. We saw it at Worcester a few weeks ago where 
Kieran Hearn was away down the right and he dropped the ball inexplicably. Blair Cowan put the ball down. That was less impactful. But we've seen these errors throughout the season, so it wasn't just about this weekend. It's a heartbreaker, but it's a brutal business. Um, and the thing is, with Irish shows this season, they've gone out almost every week and they've kind of played to win, haven't they? Was that the right thing to do at times, maybe? Should they have kind of held back and not, not played not to lose? But, but do you think the style of play suited the predicament they were in? I think you can be critical and say that they've been naive on occasions in games where they've gone into them and the style of play that they've picked up, but the table doesn't lie. You don't take your opportunities in games. You, you end up at the bottom of the table. And Ben picked up uh, you know, about these players moving on. Unfortunately, the major problem that Irish have had, they've always been a great club. And they're not down yet. Look, they could win their last two games and, and Newcastle uh, not get a point from anywhere. But having said that, They've always been this good, fun-loving club that players almost see as a stepping stone. What Irish need to do, if they do go down, is change themselves from a stepping stone into a club that players want to stay at for their entire career. You know, there's so many players that have left that club over the years, and those players, have they stayed, would things be different? Absolutely they'd be different, but they haven't. Shall we have a look at the, that list? We Shall we? Yeah, list? why yes. don't we? Let's, let's. Have you made so one? These, <laughs> well, not personally, no. But let's have a look. So this is basically the list of players that are currently playing... Um, that, that have played for London Irish, and that is that's one heck of Some a team. team. It's a great team. There. It's a brilliant team. It's a, it's a top six team. You know, Corbusiero, British line, Dylan Armitage. Um, you know, definitely the best English fullback playing in France at the moment. Marlon, you know, look, Anthony Watson. You can answer that. Take, take you your time, guys. Well done, Trigger. Right you got some top players there. <laughs> Stefan Armitage, um, European Player of the Year, former European Player of the Year. Leguizamon, class, Gibson, class. These are top, top players. You know, and. Um, Austin's right. I'm not sure how you do it exactly. It's not just about paying people more money. It's about creating a heart there. And you, you build it around guys like Bob Casey, guys like Nick Kennedy, Paul Hodgson. These are really, really good blokes with London Irish at their heart. I know one or two of those guys popped off and played somewhere else at one point. But they're Irish through and through, and they're the guys you build it around. There's, a, there's a blueprint of teams that have done it, haven't there? You've got Harlequins, Northampton, that have all made the drop and then come back a lot stronger for it. London Irish have been down near the bottom for a few seasons now, and it's, it's, it's almost like, we'll just do enough to survive, just do mm. enough. Now they haven't survived, they can start actually... But isn't actually the championship rebuilt, rebuilt. now stronger than, than it's yeah, ever absolutely, been? Will it be tougher for them to, to, to come back up? But tougher is the words. The one common denominator of all those clubs, and Irish, if they do go down, which we think they will now, the one thing they have to do is they have to become tougher. And Harlequins became tougher. Saints certainly became tougher after they went down. It's OK being nice in this league, but nice doesn't win your stuff. Being hard-faced, being a horrible individual wins your trophies. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it does. OK, so we've talked you through the East Midland derbies and a big old relegation battle already, but there were four other matches played this weekend, of course, with something riding on each one of them. Bath travelled to Sale, who still harbour top six, even top four ambitions, actually, with their game in hand, of course. Saracens were looking to more or less secure a home semi-final at Wembley against Quinns. Wasps could book their place in the playoffs if they beat Worcester, and Exeter on Friday night could have done the same with a win at King's Home. Let's talk a bit about Wasps, then. Um, Wasps, Worcester. Um, Nick, 14 tries. Great advert for summer rugby. Great advert. <laughs> Great advert for summer rugby, yeah. <laughs> Where do you stand on all uh, of that? Unfortunately, I'll probably be retired by the time the summer rugby comes. <laughs> Definitely will be. <laughs> comes around. But, uh, you know, if you, if you held a, a vote within the rugby community, I don't think you'd get a single person telling them to, to keep it a, a winter game. Maybe some of the bigger, bigger lads like Flats. <laughs> he wasn't um, looking at you, Flats, and some of the bigger lads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking over there. Um, but if it, if it did become a summer sport, I think it would be uh, you know, a huge thing for the game and make it a lot more exciting. Crowds um, will increase in size. 
got to talk about Christian Wade, haven't we? Hendrick Premiership appearance, six tries. You ever scored six tries in a game? Or do you probably have? Have you probably scored eight? Uh, yeah. Under 10s under versus Chester uh, for Birkenhead Park. Tag. Yeah. Yeah. They were under 10, he was 21. <laughs> <laughs> It was last Tuesday, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look at um, Well, they were. Sometimes you're just in the right position at the right time, and for a number of tries he was, but you have to get in that position to score them. He scored one absolute gem of a try down the wing. I think we saw him score one very similar to it earlier on in the season, where he kicked it down and died from the in-goal area. And again, he found himself in uh, positions out on the opposite wing, chasing. And after he'd got four, if you just watched the last 40 minutes, he started to really sniff. I've not seen him step into the line like that before. I think that might be his first intercept this season. But he went over for his fifth try, and he could have got seven. Could have got seven tries right towards the end of the game. Lozowski scored, and he was right on his shoulder. He gets half-tackled. Lozowski steps out the tackle, and being the young player, doesn't know the rules where you play it, pass it to a more experienced guy. But do you know who scored the last... Six tries, you do, don't you? Yes, because we spoke about it. You can say, though. Go on, yeah. Well, it's Ryan Constable, guys. 16 years ago to the day that uh, Christian Wade did it. Indeed. Okay, oh. And Flat scored in that game as well. So, did you obviously, bet? the opposition. Yeah, you, no, know, you know, of Christian Wade's six tries then, the one down the wing, that is pretty much like the one I scored, but on the left, so not on the right. Not exactly. Okay, the same. well done, though. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks. Um, Quickly on Christian Wade, is he, is he going to have a decision to make between Rio and England? Yeah, and potentially. I, I see that do. Chris Ashton was trying to help him make that decision yeah. by <laughs> saying, good. I definitely think that Christian Wade should go to Great. Rio that was good. and, and uh, obviously give me a free path uh, or a freer path into the England shirt. But uh, look, he would be sensational. Whether Austin mentioned it last week, you know, the guys that are doing sevens all, all day, every day, their fitness is different to, to 15s. It's a different sport, but I'm sure he's got the athletic ability to be able to get up to speed on, in, in the time that they'd have before the tournament. OK, sail Bath. Nick, I'm going to come to you on this one. How difficult is it for you this season just to watch Bath going through what they're going through? Yeah, it's difficult to, difficult to watch. You know, I've obviously been following Bath uh, closely since I've been in France. Uh, and for, for my side, you can't really put a, a reason on why. They've still got the, the, the great players in the squad. Uh, and so if you've got to ask questions, you know, whether it's something coming from within, within the camp, uh, you know, is it is it some of the, some some of the coaching that's uh, that's changed since last year, or is it just that the players have uh, have not been ready, making the right decisions on the pitch? So, you know, for a team as ambitious as Bath, uh, for them to be that low on the table, you know, isn't acceptable. I'm sure you'll probably um, hear a bit of uh, from bogus Bruce Craig on on Twitter, uh, <laughs> shouting at his good account, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is. is that you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was okay. you. Um, that sale. I'm enough about them they're unbeaten in the premiership at home this season and they're kind of almost going under the radar they've got a game in hand they still mathematically could get top four definitely top six well i, I don't know about you so i talk about sale quite a lot actually yeah and i think that they actually in a sense and i mean this complimentary i think they they thrive on having a little bit of a sort of an issue with how you know little how regular how sort of rarely we take them seriously but we do take them seriously yeah. a brilliant record at home not just a very hard team to beat but a very very good team to watch actually and they've you know Danny Cipriani's been at the heart of that but also their forward pack it wasn't their best day against Bath at the weekend but their forward pack's been fantastic and they've backed young players in there you know in a number of positions and they've, they've done brilliant in the second half of the season without Josh Beaumont who was one of the standout players for them and in the whole of the Prem but you look also towards sort of Will Addison, Mike Haley. These guys are now absolutely competing 
for England places this summer, and they play some great stuff. It's not they're no longer just that awkward sort of nausy Friday night trip that Bendy never ever used to make. He had a sale clause in his contract. <laughs> never ever saw him on a Friday night. Yeah. Not not Along interested. With Andrew Higgins. Andrew Higgins <laughs> never played. Didn't like didn't like the weather. But they're no longer that. They're not a bogey team anymore. They're a serious outfit. And you know, if they have a miraculous couple of weekends, a brilliant couple of weekends, mm. miraculous is pushing it. They got it within, and they they could be up there. You never know. You never know. Um, quick word on Saris and Quinn. Saris again, not at their best, but they're still winning. Um, you're waxing lyrical. Waxing lyrical. We're lyrical. You're waxing lyrical. You're waxing lyrical about Chris Ashton uh, last week, aren't you, in the studio? And again, a brace of tries. He was pretty good this weekend too. Well, if Good wasn't playing, then he'd have got man of the match. Yeah. He scored two tries. Both of them fantastic tries, actually. Hard work to the far side. Um, he's on the, the other wing. And yeah, Saracens weren't at their best, but. Champion sides win games ugly, and uh, it wasn't that ugly actually. It was quite good to watch at times. Alex Good got my other match though, as you mentioned. I, I want to talk to you, Nick, about Alex Good. Just how good is Alex Good coming from a, from a, another 15? Yeah, he's a he's a great player. Uh, played against him a number of times. You know, especially well, most recently was last year in the semi-final um, of the of the Champions Cup. You know, he had a fantastic game. Then we managed to win the game, but you know, he he's someone with great footwork and when you've got someone like that attacking uh, attacking spaces and and uh, I think I, th I just wonder whether Harlequins defended slightly differently because of him and almost looked like they were holding back but you, know, you can't give him that much grass in front of him for him to be able to pick up the option so either the kick's got to be a little bit more competitive or the chase has got to be faster and, and go up together because you can't just sit back on your heels with him but you know you talk about uh, we, we all say about um, Chisholm's pace and and Good beating him to it there. It's, um, he's, he's playing out of his skin at the moment, and it'll be fascinating what happens in the summer with the, the three test series. Who would you pick, Nick? Oh, I wouldn't pick myself, but I can't. Albert so. Dylan. <laughs> you're a sick Dylan. If you come, well, you've already said um, you're not. No, I think, uh, think Goody's definitely putting a lot of pressure on, on Brownie, but you know, Brownie's got a lot of money in the bank, as uh, the England coaches in the past like to put it. So um, <laughs> I think they'll probably stick with Brownie. You know, he's. You know, obviously uh, an awesome player as well, but Good's right, right there at him. So if Brownie, um, you know, slips up on a few of those tests in Australia, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Goody gets his opportunity. This coming weekend sees the return of knockout European rugby. Yay! It's the semi-finals of the Champions and Challenge Cup with Saracens, of course, playing Wasps with the Madeski Stadium. Hi. Hi. And the BT Sport cameras will be at the City Ground in Nottingham, where on Sunday, Leicester Tigers, of course, will play Racing 92. And the last time European fixture took place at the City Ground was when, Austin? Leicester Tigers played Glenethly. 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 Close enough. Spit it, just in, say it. In when? Uh, and Leicester won, actually. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it was a semi-final. I was there. Uh, you were there, were you? Yeah. So on, the, on the wives' bus, or you weren't yeah, quite no, a wife was, then, I were was, you? No, I was a girlfriend you then. You were a girlfriend, yeah, 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 chasing one of the players, were you? <laughs> hey, well done. You, what an amazing day out it was as well. Fair play to Clenethley. They brought a lot of supporters up there. About 2,000 of them, I remember, all came with wigs. And for the whole warm-up, just sang, it's a wig, it's a wig, it's a wig. And it's not, it's just, it was a laser. <laughs> Even back then? Even back then, yeah, really? it just started, yeah. Gosh. I know, it stayed till this day. Incredible. <laughs> Even his hair wanted to get away from him back then. <laughs> <laughs> What's your um, favourite memory from that day, Ben? Apart from, of course, winning. Going... Uh, probably Harry Ellis's interview afterwards, obviously seasoned international as we know him now. That was really his breakthrough, your massive game, first game, and he obviously scored that try. 
Hilarious. Just they interviewed him after the game. He's oh, it's just brilliant. I can't believe it. Really, it's brilliant. He said brilliant about 14 times in the interview. So oh, I love it. It's a great occasion for you, obviously, not so much for me. Unless. Uh, right. Okay. So let's have a look at the semi-final lineups then this weekend. Um, it all starts on uh, Saturday. Uh, this Saturday, 23rd of April, at the Modeski when Saracens play Wasps, an all-English semi-final. So one English team, as we know, will guaranteed a final place. And then our live game on BT Sport Europe will be Leicester against Racing 92 at the City Ground, Nottingham. And we cannot wait for that. Um, what? Let's, let's start by talking about the first game then, Nick. Um, Saracens-Wasps, huge match, obviously, and so, so tough to call, right? Very tough to call. Um, I think if Wasps get... The, their game plan right tactically and uh, don't play into the whole Saracens um, way of playing out of, out of their half, then I, I think uh, Wasp might do it, actually. Oh, what about you guys? That's, you know, because obviously they play each other week in, week out. I think it's one apiece, isn't it, in the league. Um, is it easier or harder when you, when you play a team that's so familiar to you? Uh, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's either, actually, but I think that Saracens have a, certainly in the last few seasons, have a, a sort of a history, a recent history of getting into big games against top teams who are playing incredible rugby. Look at last season's final with Bath, who were the best team to watch in the league by a mile. And they, just have, a, they have a history of shutting them down and finding ways to shut them down. So although Wasps are the form side and they're playing the best rugby in the Premiership, I think you would be a brave person to bet against Saracens doing a defensive the key to job. I is whoever plays nine for Wasps. Okay. So if Simpson plays or Robson, if they kick to compete and they don't like, allow Binny uh, Vunapola or Good the opportunity to make five or even six yards early on, it has to be up in the air, they have to be off the ground as someone lands, then you've got a good chance. If you allow those two to carry back, as we saw with Quinns at the weekend, Saracens win. OK, that back row battle's going to be mammoth as well, isn't it? Let's look at uh, Leicester and Rassing then. Cockers has said this week, or last week actually, I think, Ben, that he said that, that Rassing are favourites going into that one. Yeah, look, I think he would obviously say that anyway, <laughs> but um, I think a lot depends on whether Dan Carter's fit, and, and he seems to have that... No, a massive question mark. Talismanic, yeah, talismanic um, um, spell over his team, a bit like Johnny Wilkinson did with, with Toulon, and, and they'll be desperate to get him on the field, even if his leg's not going to withstand him being the goal kicker as we saw um, you know, last time out. So, so look, I, I think that'll be huge, but some of the power that uh, Racing have out wide will worry Leicester a little bit, particularly having seen how Wasps um, defeated them in the league with that power game. So defensively, I think Leicester can match them attacking-wise, particularly with Manu Tuolangi, but defensively they can't leave people one-on-one -on -one with too much space to, to deal with. Because, Nick, obviously, you know, you play them in the, in the top, 14, top 14 and they've had a, a bit of a reputation of being a little bit flaky, haven't they, over the years. Is that all kind of starting to change? Is it different now? I think so. Uh, especially this season, they, they've been a very tough side to beat, um, both in Europe and in the top 14. Um, so I think if, if Dan Carter does play, I think Racing will win. If he doesn't, uh, I think Leicester are playing, you know, pretty good rugby at the moment. They'll, they'll come out on top. OK, let's have a quick look then, if we can, at uh, the Challenge Cup. Um, Semi-finals, how that looks. Harlequins will welcome Grenoble to the Stoop on Friday night. That will be live for you at 7pm on uh, BT Sport Europe. And then on uh, Saturday as well, uh, the day after, Montpellier will welcome Newport Gwent Dragons. So those are the semi-final of the Challenge Cup for you. Um, a very quick word, uh, Platts on Quinn's Grenoble. How do you see that one going? I think you'd, Grenoble have been playing some lovely stuff this season. They seem... They seem sort of two or three times more resilient psychologically than they have done in seasons past. They've always had big home performances and, and, you know, within them, but actually they're starting to play well on the road. Again, we will hope that they do what French teams used to do and not travel very well. Either way, I back Quinns to do that job.
Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back next week. See you then. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 